Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the auction community studios on this football Friday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke show on the, I guess it's not really the eve of a game against the Rams, but uh, almost. It's it's the Friday heading into the weekend. Wolf, how you doing? I'm doing great, Luke. Everything in good time, man. Everything in good time. You've got to let it ease. You can't get too high. You can't get too jacked up on a Friday when you know you're not going to play until Sunday, Luke. You, you've got you've to pace yourself, man. I don't feel like pacing myself today. I feel like I'm ready for this game to start in like 10 minutes. Yeah, you're ready you to brawl. I, I really kind of had an attitude yeah. this morning. What's going no, on? Just, you okay, just, man? Feel, you want to talk I'm, about no, it? I'm just, I want to okay. talk about football. I'm, I'm How about ready to a little fight. limp biscuit right now? Would you like that? <laughs> I've already, already listened <laughs> once today. I can't even believe you did that, right? I, I mean, they've got a couple of songs that I'll promise you right now, Bass It's If you ever find yourself with eye black on and and there's a mouth guard in your mouth. Where's your mouth? Guard? Um, you might want to go ahead and actually. Yeah, where is your mouth to guard? A little limpy. Put your you, mouth, I mouth guard in. Bo- you know what then... I did? I tried to boil it. I had purchased a no boil oh, mouth guard. No. You broke the mouth guard already. <laughs> oh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they, they, right, when you tell somebody you don't have to boil these things. You had to, the only mouth guard that is worth wearing is a mouth guard you have to boil. I'm assuming forget that. the person you bought it from was also wearing a mouth guard, so maybe they told you and you just couldn't understand them. Yeah, well, <laughs> that might be the case right there, <laughs> honestly. But on Limp Biscuit, uh, that's pretty good tunnel time music that's, right there. Yeah, that's 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 You'll true. Brawl. There's, Trust me on that one. Get you ready to brawl. You're not going to come out of it calmer. Yeah. All right, it just settle down. Make sure you have just one of those Okay, take it easy. Sucks. <laughs> All right, watch it. It's edited. It's please. clean. <laughs> Relatively clean. For Fred Durst, that's clean. <laughs> clean Still it a gets. little nervous playing it, yeah, but it I is know. clean. Yeah, it, is, it, it does make you a little nervous right there. I'm not a profane man, Basin Onions. I am not. Uh, but I, I will tell you, that song does make you want to brawl. Yeah, no, it's just, There's yeah. No it doesn't make you want to just calmly sit and speak. <laughs> okay. You want to so. fight. All right, what do we here, let's uh, let's get into this game, Wolf, because you have something that I'm very intrigued by, okay? Okay, right, It is the yes. hexagon of victory oh. for the Cardinals against the Rams. And, I, you know, look, I'm looking for any way, any path towards victory here, even if it takes, what is it, a hexagon, six? Even yeah, if it's six different paths right. to victory. So yeah, explain. No doubt about this. Um, listen, this is a huge game coming up for the Arizona Cardinals for so many different reasons. Um, body, soul, and spirit. Never forget that, Basin Oni. You play this game individually with your body, your soul, and your spirit. You have to. So, but doing anything with soul, right? How many times do we talk about this? You play a guitar with soul. Have you ever seen a dude play a guitar with soul, right? Oh, yeah. Play an instrument with soul. Um, you can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it, can't you? This is the reason why the Arizona Cardinals, they've got to go out and play this game with soul. Because... The Rams have owned them, and you've got to admit that they have owned you first and foremost before you take that field, especially at State Farm Stadium. They have owned you. Um, 
The hexagon of victory, what is it? Let's talk about this, first of all. How about, number one, you believe you can actually beat Aaron Donald I'm gonna write these and down. the Rams. Is yeah. that okay? I'm going to write them down and see if there's any sort of pattern. Okay. I, I'm just saying for yourself right now, see if okay. there's any pattern. Yeah, okay. I just want to see. Okay, number one, believe you can beat Aaron Donald. And beat the Rams. All right. Okay. That's that's number one. That's a right good there. starting point. You're not going to do anything if you don't believe you can do it. I, I think that's a great starting point. Number two. Are you ready for number two? Yes. Gather on the transistor and, and press the ear. Okay. Um, block Aaron Donald. Mm, okay. There, that's number two. Block Aaron Donald. I feel like it one is matter, easier than two. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're running the ball. It doesn't matter if you're throwing the ball. You've got to block Aaron Donald. Okay. Number three. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. The hexagon of victory, again, for the Arizona Cardinals. Number three. Stay balanced by running the ball at Aaron Donald. Okay. Stay balanced. Run the ball. Be balanced offensively. That means, of course, you don't get down 20 to nothing. Now, I was really, really impressed to see Cliff Kingsbury stay with the run in the second half after, after they did get down 20 to nothing. But you don't want to do it against the Rams. You don't. So you stay balanced. And then you run the ball at Aaron Donald. You know, there was a play, as a matter of fact, the Arizona Cardinals were running against the Raiders, and I saw it a couple of times, even in the second half. It was called 22 and 23 double. It basically is the power without the pull. They ran it out of 12, four, or 12 personnel, right? 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. A.J. Green, who's a big wide receiver as well, he came down. That's what Larry Fitzgerald used to do as well. He would come down and block, and David Johnson used to bounce that to the outside an awful lot. It's called 22 and 23 double. It is the power without the pull. I saw the Arizona Cardinals do it. I'd love to see him do it again with a double team. There are two double teams on the two down defensive tackles. There are two double teams, and you're trying to blow somebody off the ball. It is a physical, in-your-face, aggressive play. Run that play at Aaron Donald. Run that play. Symbolically? And literally. Yeah, I have somebody that backed you up, too. We had A.Q. Shipley on uh, earlier this week. And, 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 and as far as running the ball at Aaron Donald, this is how he felt. Great, Adam. I try and get as many double teams as I could on him all day long. And from that point forward, then, you know, maybe he doesn't rush the passer as hard after taking, you know, five deuce blocks with D.J. Humphreys clipping his hip. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, so we know A.Q. signs days. off on number three. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ugh. Run it right at Aaron Donald. Are you kidding me that's number three okay. <laughs> number four get the ball out quickly to slow aaron donald down number four the hexagon of victory get the ball out quickly to slow aaron donald down one two three boom throw the ball snap the ball make the read get it out quickly how about a wide receiver screen? Wait a minute. That could be number five, as a matter of fact. Let's look at number five. I am noticing a pattern, I think, but go ahead. Stay out of third and obvious pass situations so you can avoid sacks and pressures from Aaron Donald. This, this, first of all, this is crazy that as you're speaking, Fred Durst is backing you up. So you're yes. saying keep 
rolling on offense. Exactly. That's what you're saying. I'm just telling you right now, stay out of third and obvious pass situations. If that means you've got to run it twice and jam it in there and you gain seven yards and two carries and it's third and three, great. Because now all of a sudden you can run a quick little something to get the ball out. Third and obvious, which is third and eight plus, that is what you want to avoid at all costs. Like the plague. Okay, um, number six. Are you ready for this? The hexagon of victory. The number six. Pick and choose when to go up-tempo in this game and when not to. When to go up-tempo in this game and when to run wide receiver screens and when to run screens to running backs to gas Aaron Donald. Mm, okay, so okay? we did complete it. Okay. So you've got to pick and choose when you want to do this to just gas Aaron Donald. That everything the Cardinals do should be to attack Aaron Donald. Everything <laughs> offensively, like do it to attack Aaron Donald and get him to be gassed by the fourth quarter. Uh, let me ask you this, okay? Because the hexagon all, of victory, all six elements of the hexagon of victory involve Aaron Donald. Yes. Can you win the game if you are successful at like four of these, or does it have to be all six? No, you know what I think, honestly. I want it to be all six. Okay. Um, I, I think it has to be all six. What is the record in the last seven games? One in six? Against Interesting. the Rams? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One in six against the Rams. One in six, counting the playoff game again. Yeah, it's the hexagon of victory. It's six points, and I think you need all six of these. And obviously, I'm being a little facetious here, but I think you get the point. Body, soul, and spirit. It matters. It does. It matters what you think. It matters how you feel. It matters what you do with your body. So we have, in the first 10 minutes of the show, tried to find the answers to beating the Rams in some sort of numerical mystery and the lyrics of Limp Bizkit. Yeah, All right. that was kind of right. cool. We're going to figure this out before the end yeah. of the show today. It's week, just one of those days. Week three of Bix Picks is underway. Text Pick to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75-inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners are also going to receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. So text Pick to 620-620 to enter. All right, when we come back, Thursday night football last night, Browns, Steelers. Cleveland might be figuring some stuff out. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Back to the show here on this Friday morning, this Football Friday, Wolf. And this is a Football Friday. I feel like we should talk about the game that just happened last night: Steelers Browns. Cleveland got the win. Like I said earlier this season, I don't know why, but I just don't want Cleveland to win. Uh, but they they do have Nick Chubb, and he seems pretty unstoppable. Of course, there were more fights in the stands than on the field. Brutal when these two fan bases get together. It really is. It's absolutely brutal. Uh, the game last night did not disappoint to me. It was physical. It was in your face. It was beautiful to see. Yeah, and, and look, Wolf, I mean, these two teams have a long history of not liking each other. Um, why is that? No, not you. Uh, Craig Wolfley. Craig, why, why is it that the Steelers and Browns just can't stand each other? What? Is this Domino's Pizza? I was trying to order a pizza here. Is that... No <laughs> oh, way! Hey. Oh! <laughs> What's up, <Yeah>. brother? 
Christ. Well, fresh from the Cleveland booth last night, my friend, my brother, yes, I've come forward. And, yeah, it, there were some a little bit of fisticuffs around, but you know what? <laughs> the, the action was hot and heavy up front in that first half, but it was a tale of two halves, and that's really what sank the Steelers in the second half. We, we should point out that Wolf did not know Wolf's yeah, brother exactly. was calling I in just here. Got dive we, we didn't bomb, even man. tell you that he was on the line or that anybody was on the line because you That's, can't see the phone line. Man, so right. your immediate reaction to it, though, Craig, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, and where do you think you guys are going to go from here? You know, that's a great question, but I, here's the thing about it. Mitch Trubisky came out, and he looked like the guy that the Steelers had hoped he was going to be from day one, and a guy that uh, was was able to step into Ben Roethlisberger's shoes and shadow and just be able to pilot the offense and do the things that they needed to do. And it was all working out pretty good. I mean, he was 9-10 for 109 yards and uh, in the first half, mm-hmm. and you know, if things fell apart in the second half, he averaged eight point four as average per shot down the field in the first half, but it sank to four point nine in the second half. That's when the fighting chubs took over, and the fact that they went three 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 straight three and outs in the second half left their defense out there. Uh, Nick Chubb is let's let's just look at. I mean, I, I think Kareem Hunt is excellent, but he's not Nick Chubb. Nick right. Chubb is Nick Chubb. Craig, can I honestly, I'm sorry, look, okay. the, the whole Nick Chubb thing right there, man. Uh, what a bad, bad man Nick Chubb truly is. Right. I, Craig, I, you know, I love A.J. Dillon. Have you seen A.J. Dillon for the Green Bay Packers? Yes, I have. have. seen him run? I, I, I love A.J. Dillon and the rock that he is when he runs. And uh, Derrick Henry, of course. We all know Derrick King Henry. But Nick Chubb? Um, he's so hard to knock off his feet, man. I, he, he's, I love watching him play. I love watching the Browns play because of the offense they run. Craig, they attack the line of scrimmage. They attack they the do. line of scrimmage. They attack the line of scrimmage. And then they use play action to throw the ball. <laughs> it's, that has been around for a long, long time, my brother. Well, you're exactly right. And, you know, the disheartening thing about it was, is that they were able to take the Steelers' defense and, and kind of take them to the woodshed in the fourth quarter. I mean, you look at that Cleveland Browns offensive line with Petonio, with Wyatt Teller, with Je- with Conklin in there. I mean, this is like five New York City bar bouncers that are you know taking people out and taking them to the back back alley there and putting a, a little wood to them, man. Just like I'm you telling did. you what, they took people and moved. They're people movers that move people. <laughs> Sounds like a company. Uh, Craig Wolfley is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line after last night's Browns 29-17 win over the Steelers. Uh, Craig, I know you, you mentioned the, the Mitch Trubisky thing. How is the fan base there handling it? Because Steelers fans are used to having a really good quarterback. They've had one for basically two decades. And now they do have a rookie, a first-round rookie, behind Mitch Trubisky. So is there patience there, or are they starting to get restless? No, they were definitely getting restless uh, last week, you know, uh, as, as you looked at the game unfolding. It, it, but it, here's the thing about it. You know, Mitch is just one eleventh of the offense. You know, everybody's got to be able to come together. And one of the things that they, I, I really believe they need to do, and I believe that Mitch needed to do, is start looking further downfield. He needed to get downfield and put that ball in play and let, let his receivers go up and make plays. And he, that's what he started to do and that. This the first half last night. He was just absolutely uh, showing the the ability to move with his feet. They rolled the pocket, sprint outs, those sorts of things, some play action in that. 
But that 36-yarder to George Pickens was so uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Mm. Uh, it was amazing. He laid out and just did a great job of pulling that ball in. And There's bigger things and more meat on the bone to be had there with that young man. But that whole offense took a step forward in the first half and did some things that they hadn't done in the first couple of weeks. But then when they, the defense critically needed them to be able to eat some time and and uh, get some drives going in the second half. They weren't able to answer the bell, as I said. Three straight, three and outs. That's what sank yeah. them in the second half. Yeah, you know what, Craig? I, I love Najee Harris, too. I loved him coming out, of course, and um, I love Najee Harris. Um, how is he developing in this offense, though, by your standards? I think in the first couple of weeks, it's a matter of the offensive line coming together with the running backs and, you know, making sure that they spend some time, you know, making sure that you, hey, you know, on Thursday nights when the offensive line meets, get the get the running backs there. Start looking at the same thing. This is our pickup. This is where the holes break. All those things looking together where you're, you're hanging out and just watching film together as a group. And I think, um, you know, I think that's starting to happen now. And one of the things we saw was Najee. Najee, he didn't look like just an angry man. He didn't run just like uh, you know, he was ticked off. He looked like a burning man. I mean, like his hair was on fire last night. And he took the he took the battle to the tackler. And I love when I see that. And that's what he he really showed. But we also had a guy named Jalen Warren, a young rookie that also he's a from Oklahoma State. This guy's got some uh, pretty sweet feet and a quick hitter. So between the two of them, at least they were manifesting this rushing attack that had been absent for the first couple of weeks. And the Steelers' offensive line did a good job coming off the ball and doing a, a, a yeoman's job of, of uh, you know moving the line of scrimmage back on the other side of the ball for the first half. Now, unfortunately, it broke down in the second half. And again, you know what it is. It's a 60-minute game. Yeah. All right, so the championship rounds that exist in the second half those are where you come alive. You got to make sure you're there for it. And the Steelers were enabled to answer the bell there. Yeah, I don't think I realized how fast Jalen Warren was until last night. Craig Wolfley is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. All right, Craig, uh, the problem we're all dealing with here is how exactly do you stop Aaron Donald? Um, if you were blocking against Aaron Donald, what would your plan be? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, Mike Webster used to have a saying when we faced somebody that was akin to Aaron Donald. They always, we always referred to the National Geographic show, uh, Wild Kingdom, you know, when uh, uh, Marlon Perkins and all those guys, you know, one of them had a dark guy. You know, you get in a pile with a guy, he's getting a little out of control and killing everybody. Got to pull the dart out and dart him. <laughs> you know, I mean, how do you stop an Aaron Donald? Man, you run the ball at him. You make him have to absorb a lot of hits. You have to cut him a lot, try to put him on the ground, tire him out, that sort of thing. But it's really, really hard. I watched this young man grow up in Pittsburgh. I watched him play some high school ball. I even did one of his games. I even made the remark offhandedly as I watched the game and they were triple teaming him in high school and he's still making the plays. I said, maybe we'll see this kid someday on, on Sundays. <laughs> a little that I know that uh, I would uh, be a soothsayer right there. But the, the young man is just really, he's special. There is something about him that just is, it's hard to measure. All right, so Craig, what are you doing this weekend, man? Okay, you know what I mean? Let's wrap this thing <laughs> up. Where, where, what are you, where are you going? Are you gonna, do you got a little mini holiday here because of the mini buy because you played last night? What are you doing? 
You know, I'm uh, I'm waiting on uh, what we're doing coming down from my queen. You know what I mean? Ah. <laughs> I'm a smart man. You, you know are, what I mean? We'll just uh, we'll wait until the missus comes up with what we're doing. Hey, you tell Faith hi, and I love her. Okay, brother. Absolutely. Love to you. Love to your family. Love to you, Luke. All right. God Thanks, bless. Craig. Be well. Appreciate it. That's uh, Craig Wolfley, of course, the Steelers color analyst joining us right there following last night's game. But uh, also surprising one, Ron Wolf. Man, that was awesome, know. guys. Thank you. That, I, that I was somebody, a surprise. The camera's actually not pointed at you, so I don't, maybe they didn't get your, your reaction. You were looking oh around like, where am I hearing this voice from? That was unbelievable. I thought you guys had a recording or something you were going to play, right? <laughs> and no, that was the real deal right there. Love that, dude. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, when we come back, Byron Murphy had a pretty good week last week. What if he could slow down Cooper Cup this week? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Hi, this is Jalen Thompson, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. They think Jalen Thompson has become one of the best safeties in football. Dumps it off near side, and it's picked off at the 30 by Thompson, running it back near side, 20, 15, 10, 5, he dies for the pylon. He's a silent assassin, man. He doesn't say much, but he's always kind of thirsting for knowledge since he got here. I think he is the most overlooked player on our team. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. We've already had the hexagon of victory, which you revealed at the start of the show to beat the Rams. And I'm sure we'll get back into that later on in the show. Right, the hexagon of victory. The hexagon of victory had uh, a lot of um, a lot of directions pointing towards Aaron Donald. Indeed. But the guy on the other side of the ball that you do have to keep an eye on, of course, is Cooper Cup. And uh, let's start here. This is Vance Joseph yesterday talking about why Cooper Cup is always open, no matter who he's up against. Absolutely, he does. If you're playing man, he beats your leverage and he stops on the dime and the ball's thrown on time. And if you're playing zone, you have no chance because he's, he gets the zones. He stops in, in a proper zone. So I think mixing it up and sometimes getting close to him, challenging him some and making him beat man to man. And sometimes, again, doubling that guy, maybe, you know, but rushing the quarterback and blinding him a little bit uh, will help you. But, again, every week is going to be a challenge. These first three games have been have been uh, a lot of lack of sleep. <laughs> a lot of lack of yes, sleep. You just slid that in there at the end. It truly has been a very difficult go right here for the Arizona Cardinals, of course, in these three games. The Cardinals have not really defended very well, especially in the secondary. As we all know, they've been bad, frankly. And yet somehow, someway, here they sit at 1-1. One and, one. and if they're going to get to 2-1, and one, Cooper Cup has got to be controlled. I don't know if you're going to sit there and shut him down. I don't know if you can ever say that. Even if you had two guys assigned to him on every play, it's still about controlling Cooper Cup and and not just shutting him down. And the reason why I say that, Luke, is because Devontae Adams is one thing for Byron Murphy to walk up over and to be able to shut down like a true shutdown corner. Yeah, Cooper Cup, I... He runs so many short and intermediate routes. And he runs them as well as he's going to get. Yeah. He's going to get catches. He's going to get targeted, and he's going to get catches. Devontae Adams is more of a intermediate to over-the-top guy. 
Cup, uh, to that end, has 24 catches already through two games, Wolf. I mean, that is a pace that's up around 200 for the season, the way he is uh, he's running out there. Uh, and they lost the first game. In the first game against the Bills, they got run right off the field. Cooper Cup still had a monster game, and then he was good again last week against the uh, the Falcons. 24 catches, 236 yards, three scores already for Cooper Cup. And yeah, if you watch the Rams, it's not just, okay, he's open for a split second, and Matthew Stafford hits him. He's always open. Now, I will say... As much as I feel like Stafford, to a certain extent, is a little bit overrated, Cooper Cup was really good before Stafford got there. But yeah. Stafford arriving pushed helped push Cup to like elite. I mean, the best player, best receiver uh, in the NFL, with all due respect to Justin Jefferson. Um, but you mentioned Byron Murphy, Wolf, and do I expect him to to shut down Cup? No. But if he can slow down Cooper Cup after what he did against Devontae Adams. I think we're going to feel pretty good about one part of that Cardinals cornerback room. About as good as you could feel, honestly, if he can go out there and slow down Cooper Cup. There weren't a lot of people that actually were talking about Byron Murphy being a shutdown guy, a true CB1, so to speak, yeah. right? I mean, who was talking about that coming into this season? Nobody was. Um, you and I, I know last year, of course, through the first 11-12, how many times have we said that? <laughs> for, for the first 11 or 12 games... I mean, Byron Murphy was playing fantastic. He was doing so well. He was one of the most improved guys. He was on, your most improved guy. He he was, was, for he you, was, it was him. For me, it was Isaiah Simmons for the right. first 12 games. Those, those guys right there. And, you know, and then he trailed off uh, at the end of the year. And I think Byron Murphy would tell you that himself. Um, He's got the talent, obviously. He just shut down Devontae Adams. Two catches for 12 yards. Now, one of them was a touchdown, but that was a gimme touchdown for the most part. It, was it wasn't on Byron Murphy. You, couldn't, you can't cover really for exactly. that Exactly. But, man, Byron Murphy, can you imagine if he does step up to be a CB1, truly be that guy, a shutdown corner? Man, Surprise! And that would feel that would be a great surprise for the Cardinals. That would that would change a lot of stuff for the Cardinals because then in your secondary you would have Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson at safety, and then Byron Murphy and somebody at corner. But if he were a true shutdown corner, like if he could become something close to what Patrick Peterson was in Patrick Peterson's height, if you had that. Then you then you have something there in the secondary. Now, Byron Murphy spoke yesterday after practice, and obviously he was asked a lot about Cooper Cup. Uh, first, about his confidence coming off that Raiders game. Same mentality, you know. Face him, you have to face him twice a year. So same mentality, going to game confident and just uh, go out there and stick to the game plan as well. And much like Vance Joseph, he got asked uh, what makes Cooper Cup so good. I just think he's a different type of receiver. He knows how to get open. He knows how to read defenses. It's a zone coverage. He knows how to sit down with this man. He knows. I feel like him and his quarterback had a great, uh, great connection on you know seeing that type of stuff so i think he just overall is a, a decent player to everything he does yeah, you know, I, I would agree with that. When you watch Cooper Cup run, um, first of all, he's kind of, he's got a little herk to him. He's a little herky jerky. Have you noticed? I mean, yeah. when he runs, it's not like he's really smooth. He's unconventional almost, but that he probably is. makes it tougher to cover. That, that's exactly where I was going with that, Luke. You're right. He he's not he's not a glider. He's not smooth to me. He's got a little herky, just a little, a little herky jerky in the shoulders and. I think that actually helps him run the precise routes that he does. And because of that, he's so intelligent. He's so smart in that herk and that jerk that goes with that intelligence. Uh, it makes him almost unguardable. 
seriously. It's a very, very difficult proposition. And guess what? It's not just the Arizona Cardinals that have struggled with Cooper Cup. It's every team in the league. Uh, yeah, his numbers, I mean, last year, he got as close as, as a wide receiver is ever going to get, I think, to getting MVP consideration. He had 1,947 receiving yards last year. That's not counting the playoffs wow. where he raised his average in the wow. playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl. How about this, though, Wolf? He's a third rounder out of Eastern Washington. Last week, we were talking about Max Crosby, a fourth rounder out of Eastern Michigan. I mean, how about finding some of these? We're talking about Cup is the best receiver in football. He's certainly... I think you have to say he's the best receiver after what he did last year. But either way, if you think it's Justin Jefferson or Tyree Kill, he's one of the top two or three. Devontae Adams, whatever. Uh, and, and Max Crosby's one of the, the better you know edge rushers in football, too. And they're, they're talking about they're talking about mid-late picks in the draft. Yeah, you know, and again, uh, Cooper Cup is so critical to what the Los Angeles Rams do because right now the rushing attack is brutal. It is. Uh, number 31 in rushing yards per game, number 32 in rushing yards per play. Doesn't add up. So, you put those two together right there. They're they're not running the ball effectively, and it's because of their offensive line base. I don't need it's it's not their scheme. It certainly is not their running backs. You look at Daryl Henderson. I love Daryl Henderson. I love Cam Akers. Those two guys right there. It's not them. They're just not getting a lot of room to actually run. It's the offensive line man that really has um, made it difficult for the Rams to move the ball and score like they did at the end of last year. Much like you said going into the Chiefs game, uh, and and unfortunately it didn't work there, but if the Rams are not able to run the football right now, this is not the week to let them get going because Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers are both relatively young in the league, but they have both had pretty good games in this league already too. So not this season, but you don't want to let them start going this season, or this uh, week against you, of course. We come back, which games are we going to have our eyes on this weekend around the National Football League? We're going to tell you with our NFL five-star games next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Five star, 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 the NFL's best games, as predicted by Ron Wolfley and Luke Lipinski, powered by FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, Wolf, it is Friday, it is 1045, it is time for five-star games, and uh, there's a lot of games this weekend I like, just as far as like the matchups and some some evenly matched games, or you know some games where one team has become pretty interesting and the other one is maybe a little bit more of a known, but I want to see how they actually face off against each other. As far as five-star games, I have two. Do you even have two? Yes, as a matter of fact, I do, okay. even though my threshold for a five-star game is certainly higher than yours. Well, we'll see. We'll see if we have the same ones. Uh, okay, I'll start with one of them. And this, look, the caveat when the Buffalo Bills are involved is the Ooh. game may not end up being a five-star game. Indeed. But Bills-Dolphins right now going in is, to me, must-see television on Sunday. Well, first of all, you have to consider the rivalry. It's been around for a long, long time. Can you imagine the way that most people from Buffalo feel? about Miami. <laughs> Just go ahead and think about it, especially during football season when it gets nasty, especially when it's winter <laughs> and all oh, the Miami Dolphins and all the people from Miami, it's just brutal. A rivalry 
at least in terms of weather, whenever the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins play, man, it is, it's bad. It is. And it's been around for a long, long time. A lot of animus that is built up there. But yeah, this is a five-star game because of how Tua Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins are actually playing at this point in time. We all know Tua exploded last week with six touchdown passes. Um, yeah, I, I think the Dolphins have got a shot, especially at home. The Bills historically have not played well down in Miami. So, yeah, I'm going to put this as a five-star game. Both teams 2-0. Tua leads the NFL in passing yards with 739. He is tied for the NFL lead in passing touchdowns with seven. Now, I will say a lot of those numbers came in the second half against the Ravens last week. So who knows exactly what he is. Right now, he's fourth in the NFL in passer rating with a 116.5. But... He has Tyreek Hill, and he has Jalen Waddle, and specifically Tyreek Hill. You know, if anybody can stop him, I would guess it would be Buffalo. But, Wolf, the last time I saw Buffalo go up against Tyreek Hill, he moved the Chiefs right down the field in uh, the final seconds of regulation in the playoffs. It took him, like, what, nine seconds to get all the way up the field? Yes. So they also have a hard time with Tyreek Hill. Now, I would expect that the Bills win this game. And, honestly, I expect they probably win it fairly handily. But you're right. They've had a hard time in Miami in the past, and these two teams are 2-0, and and Miami is, to me, one of the most interesting teams in the NFL because we don't totally know what they are yet, but all signs are that they're going to be something good. Yeah, and once again, you got to keep in mind as well that the Buffalo Bills, man, their secondary has played so well. That defense yeah. has been so strong right now. Tua is going to be up against it when he takes on the Bills because they're number two in passing yards per game allowed and number two in passing yards per play allowed. Once again, when you put those two things together, Basin audience, you are what you are. Now, it's only two weeks in. When we get to four weeks, and if you tell me they're still top five, yeah, you are what you are after four games. Uh, the other one, I'm guessing we have the other five-star game is, is going to be the same, uh, but I'm going to let you say it just in case. Appreciate that, yeah, Luke. Um, okay, the second five-star game that we're going to have in week three of the NFL is the Green Bay Packers yeah. at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right there. Yes, the 2-0 and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the 1-1 and Green Bay Packers. This is quarterback on quarterback crime right here. This is Aaron Rodgers v. Tom Brady. Doesn't get much better than that. Uh, it doesn't. Tampa is missing Mike Evans, and then what? Russell Gage, Chris Godwin. They're Chris all Godwin's hurt. big. Yeah, I mean they're they're all hurt. Evans is obviously suspended. Um, Julio Jones also hurt. So I don't even know who Tom Brady's going to be throwing to in this game. But as we've seen in the past with Tom Brady, it doesn't really matter. That's a great quarterback matchup. That is a historically great quarterback matchup. It's definitely a five star game. Wolf, I'm with you. I got to say though, at least going in, I'm, I'm more interested in, in Buffalo and Miami. Just just to see. I just want to see what Miami is and, and see if Buffalo is that much better than everybody. But certainly Green Bay, Tampa is a, a five star game based on quarterback matchup alone. 
Any of these other games around the league that you have as four star games? Yeah, that that was kind of cool, man. I, I my threshold for four star games is not very high. It's not like <laughs> so super it, high for five exactly. star. Okay. If it's a five star game, uh, that means your threshold has got to be five star based on audience. But if you go four star, now all of a sudden, well, you know, your personal preference can actually come okay. into play right. right here. Um, like this, uh, would you say the Colts right now have turned a lot of heads? Uh, no, they haven't. Uh, they've turned a lot of heads in a negative way. I think we put that in the negative column, as a matter of fact. Everything the they've done has been in the negative column. So yes. far, but Chiefs at the Colts. Indianapolis, when are you truly going to show up? At what point, at what point in time are you going to resemble the team that we all thought you were going to be? Maybe it's this week against the Chiefs. I have them right here as my four-star game, Chiefs-Colts. No way. Why, why did you put them there? Because I think the Chiefs right now are the only team close to Buffalo in the NFL. But what you just said, I don't think the Colts are this bad. And yet at a certain point, I'm going to just have to accept that they are if they keep losing. They're 0-1-1. They've played Houston and Jacksonville. It's not like they have played Buffalo and the Chiefs so far. So... To me, the Colts in desperation mode potentially makes that a, uh, a a good game, and at least makes it a game I'm going to be keeping an eye on. But really, talent-wise, the Chiefs should just run them right off the field. Yeah, you know, it kind of looks that way. Okay, another four-star game that I have written down, the 0-2 Raiders versus the 0-2 Titans. This is uncanny. I have three four-star games. You've hit two of them so far. <laughs> there it is. I, you I don't want to show on. you the third one yet. Come on, the Raiders aren't that bad. There's no way. There's no way that defense is going to get rolling, and that offense has got way too many weapons for them to struggle the way that they have so far. And when I say struggle, it's all been relative for the most part, but for the Cardinals to be able to come out of the second half and hold them to three points, that was stunning. And they're done if they lose. I mean, let's be realistic. 0-3 is already the odds are stacked. I don't even know if teams make it after starting 0-3. And now you're going to tell me the Tennessee Titans? Are you kidding me? One of them's going to be 0-3. One of these teams is going to be 0-3 right here, Mike Vrabel. You're going to be 0-3, Mike Vrabel, with that team? What happened? Now, Tennessee, the one thing is, if they go 0-3, it's possible that the team in first place in their division is still only a game ahead of them because Jacksonville is the only team with a win in that division. Oh, yeah. If the Raiders lose, they're done in that division with the Chargers, Browns, or Broncos, and uh, yeah, Chiefs. Yeah, you know, honestly, um, it's still so early in a 17-week, 17-game right season. Done. Um, yeah, I wouldn't write about off. That's just me. But, you know, that that's because I grew up on a dead-end street. <laughs> Okay, you you grew up in the lap of luxury. That is not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a conversation about what the lap of luxury Walking is. Walking around in your Asgard. Yeah, I got to look up what that is, too. I got one other four-star game. Did you have another one? Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Give me yours. 
Kind of interested in San Francisco, Denver. Got to oh, be no. honest. Did not have that. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in that because now it's Jimmy G. I can't take my eyes off the Denver Broncos, Wolf, because whatever they should do, they do the opposite. Yo. If it's time to kick a field goal, yeah, we'll punt. If it's time to go for it with your new $250 million quarterback, yeah, let's kick a 64-yard field goal. Sure. If it's time to get booed off the field by your own fans as you're winning in week two, that's the Broncos. I can't okay. look away. I like that right there. Okay, I had Ravens at... Patriots, uh, both teams one and one right there, and I had the Rams uh, at the Cardinals. Now, once again, my standard is not as high for a four-star, but let's face it, um, the last time these two teams played in the hyper-aggressive NFC West, it did not go well for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, all of a sudden, here they are hosting the defending Super Bowl champions. Could they get off to a one-and-two start if the Cardinals are able to beat them. Interesting. All right, well, what can we expect from the Rams on Sunday? We're going to go behind enemy lines next and ask Rams sideline analyst DeMarco Farr. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.